Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 720 for the 28th of Cheshvan in a regular year. So we all know that one of the worst insults that you can tell a man is to call him a mama's boy, right? And women are usually don't find this trait very attractive if a, if a man is a mama's boy. This doesn't mean that a guy shouldn't be close to his mother. I mean, that's a very nice thing to be close to your mother, but to be so close to your mother that you're so like a mama's boy sort of implies this idea that you're so attached to your mother that you don't have room. Your mother takes precedence over any other woman in your life, which is not so healthy, right? Like we know, even according to Torah, there's a principle, there's the the first commandment really that was really ever given is for a man to leave his mother and find a wife. The idea of pru or vu, like being fruitful, fruitful and multiply, which by implication means going out and finding a wife. So today, believe it or not, in today's Tanya, we're actually going to be exploring the spiritual dimension of being a mama's boy, what that what that's all about, that there's actually a spiritual counterpart in the spiritual realms within the spheres of this idea of a mama's boy. And kind of help us understand this a little bit because the truth is if you think about it it's very it actually makes a lot of sense to be a mama's boy because your mother is the one who gave birth to you right like who is more important to you than your mother your mother is your the source of your your very life so it's only natural for a son to feel extremely close to their mother and feel so dependent on their mother in that way However, what is it about this trait then that's so unattractive to us women when we see somebody who's a mama's boy? Like, why is it that we think of this as an insult? Is because really what the basic implication is on a deeper level of what a mama's boy is, is that this is somebody who is more interested in taking and receiving and receiving nurturance from his mother versus somebody who's interested in giving. Because once a man gets married, this is is a big step. This is basically the step of him becoming a man. And what that implies is that he's no longer there. Of course, in marriage, there's give and take all the time. But when a man goes out and he seeks a wife and he says, I'm ready to get married, what he's really saying is I'm ready to make space for someone else in my life and to give to another woman in my life, to give rather than to receive. And so as we'll learn in today's Tanya, it's really deep stuff and it's quite Kabbalistic. So bear that in mind. Um, We're going to be learning about this, how this applies to the world that we live in and to the physical performance of the mitzvahs, in fact, and why the physical performance of the mitzvahs are so essential to keeping the world intact and to keeping the world functioning and to bringing about God's ultimate purpose, which is 
that it should not be a space of just receiving, 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 but actually it should be a space where the spiritual energies give to the world, bring God down into the world. In other words, the point of creation is not just for everything to remain in the spiritual realms, but rather God wants a dwelling place down here in this physical realm. So with that being said, uh, let's get into the to the way that Ultraba explains this. And uh, and again, for reference, we, we've begun a new section of the Tanya. This section is called Kuntras Ahran, the final letters, the final uh, pamphlet. And this is a selection of essays, of short letters that the Ultraba wrote dealing with quite profound Kabbalistic ideas. Sometimes it's there to kind of elaborate on different Kabbalistic ideas. Sometimes uh, the Ultraba comes to resolve different um, seeming contradictions that seem to come up between Kabbalah, between different Sfarim and Kabbalah, or in something he wrote that, that comes up in Tanya versus the way something's explained in elsewhere in different Kabbalistic farm and things like that. So today, today we're going to be examining the second essay in Kudra Sahran. And today we're going to be examining, examining a particular teaching from a, uh, a Sefer of the Arizal called the Itzhaim that teaches this idea that there's this certain supernal unification of male and female energies on a high, which are referred to as like a face-to-face -face kind of unification that this can only happen by virtue of mitzvahs, how mitzvahs are absolutely essential for this face-to-face -face unification of the man and, and the woman to happen. There's an illustration of this whole idea in the actual story of creation, when you look in Breshit, where it describes the creation of man and woman, of Adam and Chava, and commentators discuss this creation of man and woman, and there's, uh, there's an idea, at least among some commentators, that originally man and woman were actually created connected as one being, and then they were split apart. And in being connected as one being, according to the Kabbalists, they actually were connected in a back-to-back -back fashion. So yes, they were unified. Yes, they were one, but they were one in a, they couldn't see each other. They were in a back-to-back -back way. And only after being separated were they able to face each other face-to-face. -face. So today we're going to be exploring this whole idea in a deeper way and why the mitzvahs are so important and so essential to this process of these two forces being separated from being back to back and being able to unify in a face-to-face -face way, face way. And why is it that God couldn't just create them face-to-face -to, -face to begin with? They could have just been unified, but in a face-to-face -face way. Like, wouldn't that be beautiful? This kind of like these two lovers just created in this beautiful, harmonious way. In fact, God created them in a back-to-back -back way. And what is that all about? So the way to understand this is that the Eitzchayim discusses this. It discusses about this whole idea about uh, about the back-to-back -back creation. And, and in the Eitzchayim, it's actually describes that the reason why is because in creating the world, there are many forces at play. Many of these forces are godly and good, but there's a great dose of negative forces. And we've talked elsewhere as to the purpose of these negative forces and why God, God chose for them to be there. But an easy way to re to reference them is calling them the klipos, the husks, which conceal God from the world, conceal godliness from the world. And these klipos, they suckle their energy from holiness, as we said. And so they're sort of like always on the loose, sort of looking for things to attach to. And um, the and as it's described in the Itzchayim, it, it talks about this idea that if one of the reasons why, or perhaps the main reason why God did not create Adam and Chava face-to-face, -face, the male and female in this face-to-face -face way, 
but yet unified is that then the energy would be too powerful and this powerful energy would just be free flowing. And then these klipos, these negative husks would be, it would be too easy for them to suckle from these energies. So that's the only way that, uh, that it, it, like the safe way basically to bring about these energies into the world is that it had to be in this back-to-back way. It had to be in this way that's like not super, super direct. I know these ideas are kind of abstract, so just take from it as much as you can, you know, and follow along the text, but these ideas are very Kabbalistic as much as we can try to understand them on some level, no matter how much I try to explain these on a simplistic way, there's always going to be this level of like, this is just really out there, really abstract. So <laughs> bear that in mind. Okay. So now we're going to understand why it is that, okay, yes, so they were created in this back-to-back way, but the ultimate purpose is for them to be face-to-face, right? Like we see even in the story of creation, ultimately they were separated and then they were created in a face-to-face way. So how does this happen? So the the Yitzchayim teaches that this specifically happens through physical mitzvahs that we do, through physical good actions. So why? And wh- why is this the case? Why does it have to be specifically physical action, specifically like action-oriented mitzvahs? Um, like you would think, you know, maybe if uh, just through meditation and contemplation and the proper intent, this might bring about this uh, this reorganization of the forces. But in fact, it has to be through physical action. Why? Okay. So a couple things. So all of this, bear in mind, is taken from the Yitzchayim, from, uh, and this part is coming from the for, um, the 44th and the 45th gate, the Shar Mem Dalet and Mem Nun, that first of all, in order for this unification to happen, there has to be an elevation of what are known as the Main Nukvin, the, the feminine waters, which is this, these are the feminine, the feminine aspect of the Zer Anpin, the feminine aspect of, um, of the, of the emotive attributes. So, an easy parallel to understand this in our world is just that, you know, if you want to, um, we've talked about this elsewhere in the podcast as well. If you want male and female to unite, if you want there to be this, you know, simple, a guy and a girl to date, even though it seems like the guy is often the initiator, the woman really ultimately has to initiate her receptiveness. She has to show that she's available, that she's open. And by doing that, that's what we know as, as the, the elevation of the feminine waters in Kabbalah, the, the elevation of the mind nukvin. So it's like, okay, our goal is ultimately to unite these two forces of the male and female. So the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be this elevation, this receptivity of the feminine waters. And the and the feminine, femininity is associated with asiya. Femininity is associated with action. Physicality is feminine. Action is feminine. All that stuff is, is feminine. And and um and all this is explained in the time in chapter one. And so and, and now not only that, so, okay, so that's one thing is that there needs to be this elevation of the feminine waters and, and the feminine waters is a sia, is action. Another thing to know is that action, good deeds, the way that good deeds are referred to is as being kisoch v'kitsuta kotzim, which means the trimming and hacking off of thistles. So what does that mean? That means that basically like, um, as we described they're in the spiritual realms and kind of like this original place of spiritual realms. There's lots of forces and everything is really chaotic there. There's good, there's bad, it's all over the place. And the power of physical action is what it does is that this physical action actually, it's, it, it like serves as like a, a weed cutter. It goes around cutting off these thistles, cutting off the negative parts. And, uh, and this, cutting off, this is, this is an action oriented thing. This is like, you know, you picture like someone in the field 
chopping off weeds in the fields. And this is written about in the Itzchayim, also in the in the 47th gate in chapter 5. Uh, so now, what does this mean? What What is this pruning off effect? This happens, um, and why does it have, this have to do with action? Is because this is where, when we're involved, we've spoken about this again in Tanya many times, when we're involved in physical things, what we're doing is we're being involved here in the physical world with a physical object. So like, let's say if you take... Um, Let's say you take like a Shabbos candle, right? So let's say you're going to light Shabbos candle. So that candle that you have, that's what we can think of as being klipas noga. That's a type of translucent klipa that can go, go either way. That candle could, God forbid, you could use that candle to burn down a house, right? God forbid. Hopefully you'll never do that. Um, or you can use it to light a candle before Shabbos and sanctify the Shabbos with it. So when you use that candle in that holy way, what's happening is that you're actually clarifying what's going on in that candle you're you're clarifying you're taking the good of the candle using it for a mitzvah and you're elevating it away from the negative potential that that candle might have the physical goshmius of that candle so that the negative gets pushed away the negative gets cut off, cut off so you're sort of weeding in that way you're pruning right and the good within that candle the good of any physical um, mitzvah that you do gets elevated up to its source in itself in Atsilis, because in Atsilis, it's already been refined, this goodness. So it just refer, reverts back to its source. Okay, so now the Ultra asks a question. This is all well and fine that, okay, now we can understand this a little bit, why it is that physical actions specifically, so again, to reiterate, the reason why physical actions specifically are necessary in order to create this unification face-to-face -face on high so that they're no longer back-to-back -back, is because, first of all, physicality is feminine and so when you um when you engage in physical action that's like the elevation of the feminine waters and that elevation of the feminine waters um is a is a lifting up process that's going to like sort of arouse the female to want arouse the male to want to unite with it and then uh and then the second thing that happens is that physicality is associated with klipas noga so in physicality what you're doing is you're actually separating the good from the bad so that the good now can get elevated out of the bad and we chopped off the bad so now we don't have to worry about the bad attaching itself to the good in this way but now the ultra Rebbe asks a question about all this so then if it's true that we need Need this physical action in order to accomplish this why do we see that it's actually taught that um, um that that adam harishan the first man he was actually able to accomplish what's known as tikkun or rectification through prayer so prayer is not really a physical thing right there's something very different about prayer versus lighting a shabbos candle versus putting on tefillin right uh but the ultra Rabbi specifies it's actually not that different because as we've learned, the main thing with prayer, the important part of prayer is that you move your lips. It's not enough to just think the words in your heart. You actually have to move your lips while you, pr while you pray. And when moving your lips, this constitutes a deed. This is an action. And so uh, because the lips receive the vitality from the body and from the blood that's going through your body, which all of this stuff comes from Noga, comes from Klipas Noga. So it's the same thing. So even if we're talking about prayer, the prayer of Adama Rishan, it was still a physical action. And that's why it was able to accomplish this. And this, these Birurim, these um, clarifications that happen that you accomplish through doing these physical actions, these physical mitzvahs, this causes that the Asiya lifts up to Yitzira through the name of Ban, through, um, which is one of the names of God. We don't have to get into that right now. And then through that name, using the name of Ban, it goes from Asiya to Yitzira, which is the world right above it, from Yitzira to Bria, which is the world above that. And then finally to Atsilus, as is explained all in the, in, in the 45th gate, um, 
in the Drush Yud Aleph Siman Vav. So he's just giving like a footnote of where, where all of this is found. Um, and so this is how we can understand that thought does not actually accomplish anything. You need that action. So even if you sit and meditate and try to, you know, purify the world with your thoughts, so to speak, it's not going to do anything because you need the physical action. You need that mind nukfin, the feminine waters that comes from the kings of Noga. And, to, and the interesting thing is, is that the lowest, the low connects to the high so that you actually need this mind nukvin, this lowest waters, these physical waters in order to tap into, uh, something which is above both of these forces above the, the male and female forces. And that's the only way that we can draw down the drop above, uh, in order to accomplish this, um, in order to accomplish this union on high. A way to kind of understand this in kind of like a physical way is that when we think about an actual union of a physical man and woman, like when a physical man and woman engage in intimacy and the, and then a baby uh, is born. So I was actually talking about this the other day with somebody that it's like, you know, we take it for granted. We take these things for granted. Two people get together, um, they're intimate and they have a child and we're like, yeah, that's science. That's how it works. It's like, no, that's not science. Like that's crazy. That's crazy that two people would get together and then a baby comes about from that. Right? So the only way that that could happen really is because when these two people unite, there's a, a force that's higher than them. You know, we call it God that actually intervenes and comes down and causes that child to come to to come about through them. So similarly here too, in order for this face-to-face -face occurrence to happen, the male and the female to uh, reunite in a face-to-face -face way, there has to be a higher energy that's tapped into. And that higher energy gets tapped into through the feminine water, specifically through the physical action down here. Okay. And uh, and and this is a very, very powerful thing because, and this is where we're going to get into the mama's boy thing, because the ultra literally says, he says that, um, that this force, this zero and pain, the, the masculine end of the deal, the masculine half of the equation wants to suckle from its mother, which its mother is Bina. Bina is, is, uh, is the, the, the sphera from which it comes and not to, influence down below. So it's very comfortable for the masculine energy, for the Zer Anpin to be attached to Bina, to just stay there, be attached to Bina, and that's it, and not influence down here. And this is written about in, also in the Itzchayim, in, um, in Shar uh, 45, in the second Drush. So basically, yeah, basically there's this idea that it's very comfortable, the, the kind of like easier state for Zer Anpin to be in is to just like ascend back up to its source, to be attached to its mother, which is Bina. But really the point, the whole purpose of creation is not for just that ascension. It's actually to come down and be in this physical world. And so the only way that that can happen is by, is through physical mitzvahs, because the physical mitzvahs are that, that uh, my nukvin that arouse, the, the, it's, it's sort of like a way you can think about it is that in a very simplistic way, is that you have a mama's boy. How do you get the mama's boy to go away from his mother? Is if the woman, another woman is attractive enough that she allures him away from his mother. And she's like, come with me and makes it so appealing that he's actually going to want to give to her, that he's going to want to get, to um, to move away from his mother and give to his wife. Again, it doesn't mean he has to cut off ties completely with his mother. It just means that his orientation is going to be towards giving to his wife as opposed to he's no longer receiving from his mother in the same way. And so this is the idea of when we do physical mitzvahs, this is what it accomplishes. It accomplishes this elevation of the mind nukvin and the the weeding off of the negative forces that were not, that did not let this be 
possible to begin with. Sort of like, again, in the human analogy, you know, why isn't a man, why don't babies get married, right? There has to be a certain amount of preparation. It's a, a man has to be ready to get married. So there has to be this like time and place. Like like if, a, if two babies were to get married, it, it wouldn't be so productive. It wouldn't be so good. We have to get to the point where a man marries a woman who's mature enough to be able to like sort through the chaos, so to speak, to be able to have a healthy relationship with is the kind of imagery that I'm picturing in my mind. Okay, and now the ultra but concludes this whole idea by uh, citing from the Zohar in Parshish Pekudai, page 244b, which says that in addition to just to, to praying, one way that it's referred to is that there's this idea of gazing that there's that it talks about how there's a certain gazing that can also accomplish this union on a high what is this gazing what is this a reference to this is a reference to having a very intense type of kavana in prayer very intense type of intention in prayer um different types of supernal unions and this is only applicable for those who know how to gaze so to speak or in hebrew estakla uh, to look like to to ge- to look very intensely, and so this is not for the average person. This is for certain types of people, very very special people, who their nefesh ruach neshama, their their aspects of their soul, are themselves the mind nukvin. Like they have been able, they have they're so refined because they are in such a state of self sacrifice of mesiris nefesh for Torah. And um, and during Tachnun prayer and the nefilat apaim, like they're so basically given over to God that they merely through their gaze, they're able to accomplish this thing, which most of us, the vast majority of us need to do through action, through either praying with using our, our mouth, like moving our mouths or actual physical action. So that's the conclusion of this section. Um, yeah, I hope that was interesting to you. Again, these these um, essays are very abstract. I am very aware of that. And I'm trying as best as I can to bring them down for you and make them as applicable as they can be. So hopefully um, it's accomplishing that somewhat. And so with that being said, we will continue tomorrow when we get into the third essay of Kuntras Ahran, and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.